Hey, this is Don Clark of Invisible Creature. You're listening to the Master of One podcast. You can find me at invisiblecreature.com or iCreature on the socials. Welcome to this sandbox episode of the Master of One podcast, part two for this week. This week, we talked to design team Brad Weaver and Tara Victoria, partners at the Banner Years. I'm Andrew, your Master of Art and Design. I'm Patrick, your Master of Television and Film. And I'm Luke, your Master of Toys and Games. So prepare to dive deep into the waters of another interview episode. I see the shore. So for this Sandbox episode, we're excited to talk to a duo that we met at Circles this year, and their work is phenomenal. We are talking to designers and partners at the Banner Years, Brad Weaver and Tara Victoria. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Brad and Tara. Hey! Hey, hey, hey. How's it going? You know, it, not as good as you guys, since you just did hot yoga. I mean... <laughs> and beer. I feel, and yeah. Post... Hot yoga and beer. Uh, I think sometimes at the same time. <laughs> that I mean, that sounds like a good time. Maybe it, my, it, it, this, <laughs> my room ends up smelling like hot yoga and beer, but it's not because <laughs> I don't. <know. laughs> it's, it's it's not for the same reasons. Um, so before we jump into uh, any like real deep questions or questions about your work, tell everybody a little bit about who you are. Give us the quick Wikipedia page about uh, Brad and Tara and the Banner Years. Yeah, deferring to me. Uh, so yeah, we're we're in Atlanta. Um, Tara is from Calgary, Alberta. I'm pretty much from here in Atlanta. It's where we're based. We work all over the world, and we're primarily a content strategy, user experience design, and product design studio. We do a lot of branding as well. Um, we work with a lot of big brands, but that we try not to talk too much about that. We really enjoy working like you know, kind of small, cool brands, mostly in the lifestyle space. And day to day, we just, we, um, we got two kids, two dogs, and we do a lot of things with the fitness space and, uh, just have a lot of fun. Uh, we try not to take life too seriously when our brains allow it. And, uh, we mostly do client work. We got a couple of other ideas, which we'll talk about on the show that we work on and building, but, uh, yeah, it's our day to day. And when we were at, uh, when I was at, at Circles this year, you guys were hosting a whole conversation about how to do a contract. And yeah. uh, I learned so much. So I, I didn't intend to do that course. Originally, <laughs> you guys were going to do a course on um, creating mobile apps in Slack, or in, not in Slack, in Sketch. Sketch, yeah. And yeah. Um, I was really excited to do that because I'm very new to Sketch. I've done literally just two websites in it. Um, and was really excited to see it. And then we get there and, uh, and yeah, uh, flip the script a little bit, but I learned so much about contracts that, um, has been, <laughs> we was, thought y'all knew that it changed. We well, thought, yeah. you, to Sorry. be fair though, to circles, they did email it and I just yeah. overlooked that email. I went back afterwards and looked. so they cool. did their due diligence. I just, uh, you didn't. did not. Yeah. So that's, <laughs> yeah. um, but you guys have been in this this field for a long time. Like you guys have, have been doing yeah. this for a while. Talk a little bit about that, about what's maybe some of the, the challenges of being in the field for this long and maybe what has changed in this in the field of this uh, since you've been in it. 
Well, Brad's been doing it a little bit longer than me. Oh, here comes the um, thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should we should we should communicate. Brad is ninety seven years old. Ninety seven. Uh, <laughs> my real name is Rick Sanchez, and I'm a mere, I'm, I'm nineteen years old. No. <laughs> um, yeah, no, Brad's been has a little bit more experience than me. Um, but I've been freelancing um, on my own for about like. Five years five now, years, five or yeah. six years now. So I've been doing it a while. Um, and before that, I worked at a couple of different agencies back in Calgary. Um, so, yeah, it, I feel like there's a lot of things that have changed just in the course of me working on branding. I mostly did branding and WordPress. Um, and now that we're into the UX product design and content strategy, that's been a learning curve for me. I already knew a lot of it, but I wasn't doing it full time. Um, it wasn't my bread and butter, but doing it now, I mean, that's been a learning field for me, but then I feel like things are changing so much. I mean, just in the course of us being the banner years, we've already had so many shifts Mm -hmm. in, um, the web space and the UX space. And yeah, it's been a lot of change. Like even a great example is like sketch. We, put that workshop up, shop out and then realize that everyone's moving to Figma. <laughs> so we're teaching Figma now. So now oh. we're learning. We have to like, yeah, I know. As soon as you said that, I'm like, well, stop. Well, you're <laughs> so, it. I mean, I feel like things change so quickly now. Um, yeah. So we're just kind of latching onto the things that we really love to do and find that there's still use for like branding obviously is never going to go away and, yeah. Yeah. Branding's going to hold true. Yeah. I think, I mean, the tools are changing a lot, but that's kind of the nature of the beast. I think it's just more, um, we're getting back to kind of the theme of the show, like the master of one thing, the generalist is kind of dying off a little bit. I think it's kind of hard to sustain a small generalist shop. Now we're seeing a lot more people, some friends, probably people you've had on the show that are thriving more that they've specialized, you know, even people that are, were really great illustrators, but started doing web design because that's where the money was and have gone back to illustration and built products. And they're seeing, you know, either passive income grow or direct client work. I think that's that's a good thing. So that's what we do too. We're really specialized vertically and horizontally on who we work with and what we do. And we're way happier. Uh, sure. and, and, and I think that that's, that's the, the change I've noticed. Whereas my last two agencies that I ran before this one were, were way more generalist and it was much more stressful. And we're, we're super specialized. We say no to a lot as yeah. years and, and it's, it's, a, it's a luxury and we realize that, but, um, I think that's been the big thing is we're seeing people that necessarily don't even have the luxury can still say no and thrive. That's good. So in what ways do you specialize? I mean, do you mean specializing in the, um, whether it's the tool set or like Mm -hmm. the deliverable, or do you mean specializing in the type of client? Like you're very focused in a single area. Yeah, both. So vertical and horizontal. Yeah. We like my background is a lot of telecom and enterprise and like IT, like we've done, you know, a lot of fortune 100s and even department of defense and federal government. And that we just, we have that expertise, but we don't do it. We really only work with lifestyle brands, specifically lifestyle brands that are focused kind of in the wellness and kind of like attitude and outreach space. And then maybe nonprofits and stuff that come in that space, but there's not a lot of work there. Um, and then we don't do certain stuff for them um, that just a lot of other people do better than us. We'll either pass it off or subcontract it or, or pass it on. So we focus on content, product design, deep thinking, brand thinking. And then it's just... I mean, we got friends, again, people you guys know, if we need something illustrated, yeah. it's not Tara's style, we're not going to try to hack that style. We're going to sure. call the right person or just pass. So that's that's kind of what we do. Yeah. You know, I think, um, so one thing I love about this community is I do get to meet so many people. I mean, uh, through this show, I've been uh, introduced to a lot of people through the Slack channel and, and certainly go to conferences and things like that. And you kind of realize how many talented people there are. I mean, there are yeah. a lot mm-hmm. of talented people that yeah. are in the space. <laughs> 
So it can feel a bit overwhelming to find a way of uh, differentiating yourself from other people. So I guess if someone's listening right now and they're trying to decide, like, how do I make that move? Like, how do I take this talent and then turn it into something that it, you know, equates to value, like for me, monetary value or something that I can get into freelance? I mean, what are those first steps? Like, how how do you either differentiate yourself or, or how do you take that step into translating your talent into into value for yourself and for someone else? Well, as far as expertise is social, we do a lot of social consulting as part of the content strategy. You need to speak more to this, but where we found it, I've seen case by case that the people who decide to move their social presence to where they want to go. I mean, the old saying is like, you know, build your portfolio for the work you want, not the work mm-hmm. you have. And that right. does hold true. What we're seeing now, I think moving your Instagram and dribble in that direction is yeah. really effective. Well, your friend, like Roger King, that's what he did when he wanted to move back to illustration. Yeah. He, really well with that. he so, does development, but yeah. everyone knows him as an illustrator. Yeah. And that's because right. that's what he really wants to do. So yeah. that's what he started sharing. And we see a lot of people do that. But you know, you know way more about social media, but yeah. yeah, I would just say that's, that's pick, pick what you really want to do and start sharing it because even people who have made, like I have tons of friends um, in the blogging space who have excelled at that and made it a full-time gig or tons of friends who have made hand lettering their full-time gig. And it's really just because they started sharing it. And I mean, you have to work (laughs) a lot at it. So it has to kind of be your side hustle and just spending nights and evenings doing that. And then just sharing it and sharing it. Yeah. And honestly not planned because of the title of the show, but it's the Jack of all trades, master of none thing when it comes to social and visual presence, I think is backfiring a lot now. So it's like, we do websites, we do branding, we, we do so it's overwhelming. It's, it's overwhelming. I think it's really hard to find clients. And I know that that's tempting to try to save everything because you're worried about any possible form of intake that you might get a gig off of. Right. Um, it's a big leap. And we know that's a big ask and we're lucky that we've got a longer career, you know, that we can, Kind of sit, so don't take that as us sitting on a high horse because we give students the same advice. We do give students. Well, advice. I mean, yeah. we've also had to go through that because we yeah. had to go sure. through like, I mean, even just when we started the barriers, we were doing stuff that we didn't really want to do, and yeah. it wasn't that we were like taking on everything that came our way. It was that we thought it was something that we wanted to do, and yeah. as we started working on the project, we were like, we actually are not as good as we think at this and people can do it better. Like Brad said, or it's not really what we want to do. And so we shifted our focus and now we're in a place where like the clients that we're taking on, like Brad said, we're saying no a lot. The clients that we're taking on are what we really want to pursue and really want to do. So I, I think it's, it's really looking at profitability too. Yeah. Like you'll, you'll realize pretty quickly the stuff that you don't love doing. Like, um, I think it's Chris Gilbo. I can't remember what book it is, but he has that kind of like the don't list. It's actually the best yeah. way you can figure this stuff out yeah. is, you know, and I'm sure he's blogged about it because he's great at that. It's like, make that list of what you absolutely cannot do and then what you don't want to do. And then try to, you know, you need to stop selling the can to, you know, if you can't develop JavaScript, then you need to stop selling it because you're not going to figure it out on a client's budget. But people do it. But then try to move more and more to that. I don't want to do list. Not, and not because you're being choosy, but it's like, if you can't get fired up about it, then find other ways to make the stuff you do want to do more profitable. Right. And just build more mock-up, mock-up into the don't. Or, or I don't want to say don't care as much about it, but be okay with using a WordPress theme and stop worrying what everybody thinks if you don't love front-end development. Sure. Be a problem yeah. client about it. But it's just small stuff like that. I think those yeah. adjustments you can make help you put the energy in the stuff that's great, share, focus on that on social and triple into hands and wherever else you want to live on Twitter. And then, you know, and you got to do an inbound marketing strategy. You got to let people know what you do and build a newsletter or something to tell them that's what you're working on what you want to get hired for. But so, I think that's how. 
Yeah, so the word that, that keeps kind of uh, pinging in my head as you're talking about this, and this is kind of a theme that I've noticed with you guys in general, and we'll get to some more of it later, but self-awareness. Like, I think yeah. that, that idea is big with you guys, and I think, uh, you know, um, that's the theme that keeps kind of resonating with me. What would you say that people need to do? Because you said a second ago, uh, Tara, that like you guys were doing stuff you didn't want to do. And after doing it, and you thought you'd want to do it. But then yeah. after doing it, you realized, oh, yeah, we're either not good at this or we don't really want to do this. And we're not going to we don't want this to be the way that we are profitable. Um, what are some tips that you would give to people who are maybe starting out in this in this realm uh, about how to become more self-aware without maybe putting all that work in on the front end and then having to backtrack? Well, I don't know. Well, I, I, one thing is, is postmortems. So if you do the work and doing quicker postmortems, like we review our projects, um, we don't really do like a waterfall process with our clients. Mm-hmm. We kind of do a little bit of an agile process because of the nature of what we do. Not everybody can work that way, but one of the biggest challenges as a solo, um, you know, solo business owner is you don't really get feedback. So try to get a mastermind or something going. Yeah. And I don't mean the $5,000 masterminds. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. Like just get a group of, you know, like-minded people together, throw together a Slack channel, jump on a call once a week. You'd be surprised what it'll do for you something like that or go to go get lunch with some people and just talk through stuff and ask them, will you, will you listen to what I'm saying about my project? Tell me what I'm complaining about. Yeah. Um, but then doing postmortems and what went well and what didn't with yourself and being really aware of things. One thing with the client work, I would say. Yeah. I think, I, I don't know if there's really an answer to that. I don't know if there's a way to avoid that because it's going to happen anyway. And I think, I think one of the biggest things is you have to be okay with failing. Oh God. Yeah. And instead of calling it failing, I heard this once as a, a, someone, I think it was at circles actually one year, someone gave a talk where they said, instead of calling it failing, just call it stumbling. Um, because huh. failing is such a heavy word. And I think it's just, you have to be okay with messing up. You have to be okay with playing. And we kind of, as creatives can be such perfectionists sometimes that we fail to do so. <laughs> and then, it becomes such a like anxiety of, you know, we don't want to screw up and you just have to be okay with messing up sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So you talked about being okay with messing up sometimes or, or being okay with failing. And, and we talked about, um, yeah, having self-awareness. It, it seems like, uh, it's a lot about understanding yourself, but then also framing everything in a, in a healthy way. So, um, so shifting even away just from technically accomplishing something, I mean, how do, how do you um, kind of teach yourself to stay in this healthy mindset and to, to be able to put things in perspective, either because it's something that's tough for you or you're dealing with a tough client or a tough project or whatever it is, how, how do you stay in that healthy mindset? I think one thing is taking time for yourself um, to reflect on those things uh, and kind of even just taking a minute to just, especially when you're a freelancer or, or working in an agency and then doing your side project or whatever, time is so short. Sometimes you don't have a lot of time to oh, take yes. for yourself. And I think yeah. it's just forcing that, even if it's like 10 minutes a day, just like we do meditation in the morning and yoga, like 10 minutes of yoga in the morning. And doing that allows us to have that time to just kind of sit with ourselves and think about like, how am I feeling about these things? Like, is there something that's bugging me right now? And I think that helps a little bit. 
I think journaling is big. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't mean, I mean, journaling is great from a personal development perspective, but I, when I started really documenting my process, um, and how things were going along a pro, you know, through there, we, cause we're not great at project management, but I think we've got pretty streamlined ways to do it and we're not hourly. So we don't log things that way, but we take a really hard look at like how things are going and trying to get an emotional pulse on that. We do have the luxury of having each other and having a partner and a lot of people don't have that luxury. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that it's, so community would be one of my responses to that. So it would be trying to find community where you're talking, even if it's just a couple people that you're checking in with and texting with, like I said, if you can't get a mastermind together, at least, I don't know, join your AIGA chapter or start a triple meetup or something. I think this is really helpful, but on on an individual level, I think a couple of things that you can really do for that self-actualization without just beating the crap out of yourself and feeling like everything stinks and, you know, just nothing's going well here, um, is when, when projects aren't going well, uh, we, we think, and, 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 and with our start and build, you know, where we teach people how to, you know, work through the business, the, the number one problem with creative businesses isn't money, it's communication. Yeah. It really is. It's, it's, it's a lack of, it's, it's a lack of understanding. At the start of the project and setting scope, people write really bad scope. That's problem number yeah. one. Clients have expectations. You have expectations. They don't meet up. Right. And then number two is that there's a tendency to procrastinate when things aren't going the way that you want them to go. So, so you, you turn sure. into an ostrich, put your head in the ground, you hope it's going to work itself out. You don't look, and we're not even talking about ghosting on clients. It's a whole different thing. Even just like not, you just haven't figured out the design yet and you feel really bad. So you don't send it to them because you're waiting to perfect it because you're terrified of the feedback. And we can assure you, we've been doing this a long time. And I mean, I'm, I'm probably four or 500 clients deep. No, no, not an exaggeration. Sure. And, and it doesn't matter how often the client goes, do your thing. I trust you. Like Paul ran in and Steve Jobs a logo. They're going to give you feedback. So why are you trying to give them a perfect, a perfect version? So opening yourself up to early and often communication and allowing that feedback to come in will let you know really quickly what's going well and what isn't. And I think you can have smaller mistakes is maybe the best yeah. way to put it. Now, when you commit to a project, it is what it is. You got to finish. Uh, but you'll know next time that like every time I present these iterations on this stuff, this is where I'm really starting to hate it. You know, seven logo iterations deep. I don't like it. Maybe you don't need to be doing logos. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and it, I, I know that sounds simplistic, but that's the reality. But if it's like, man, I'm nailing it most of the time on web designs, I'm communicating well. Great. That doesn't mean that's what you have to do. Maybe you need to get better at logo communication. I don't know. I'm not saying shift to the thing that's easier. Or change but, the process. But communication, I think, is a huge part of it for that self-actualization for us. It's gone really well. Um, and just, just short bursts of communicating and digests and talking to people. Apparently. Sure, that's great. So yeah. I'll, you mentioned something in there, and it's, it's a unique thing to this world. It's partnership. And so you guys mm-hmm. are partners. And we don't have, um, we've talked to a lot of creatives, and it's not a thing. We, I think I remember one other person that is part of a partnership um, that we've talked to, and I have a business partner for my business. How did that change for you guys versus freelance or being at a agency, when you went to a partnership, how did that change your working um, process or the way you approached clients and projects? It changed a lot for me because Brad previously had a business partner. You had three. He's had okay. three. Yeah. So, but he's also been completely on his own. So, mm-hmm. sure. But for me, like I went full-time with my studio Hatch and Harbor when I was living in Calgary. And so I was, um, there's, there's not a lot of design community in Calgary. Yeah, It's very, 
it's very like agency driven. There's not a lot of freelancers. Mm -hmm. If they are, they're all feeling isolated, the same kind of thing. And they, there's no like meetups or, I mean, there's a graphic design of Alberta or whatever, but it's very student driven. And so I was very isolated. And so it was a complete shift for me because um, I was craving that community and I was craving that feedback. And I mean, being in an agency, you get some of that, obviously you're working with other designers. Um, so it was a shift for me um, and I welcomed it. I wanted um, that partnership. I wanted to someone to bounce ideas off of, sure. but I also had to learn to not question everything and like ask every, like, especially like take a branding design, for example. Um, you kind of get to this point where you're like, Oh, there's someone else here I can talk to. Like, I don't <laughs> have to talk to my dog all day. So you're like wanting to bounce ideas off of them for everything. And you kind of have to realize there's a balance in between that you have to get to where you do some work and then you guys can talk about it and everything. So learning that was really um, took a while. <laughs> <in> face. <laughs> yeah. So that was, that was a learning process for me, but, um, I really enjoy having that partnership and having that community, mm -hmm. um, and being able to, you know, bounce ideas off of each other and have someone to support you and have someone, you know, that you can vent to, but also that you can get excited about and celebrate. So mm -hmm. it was a really cool shift for me. There's, there's pros and cons. Yeah. I mean, in, 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 my, in my book, Creative Truth, I mean, I talk about how to build a partnership and how to dissolve one. Um, partnerships, yeah. partnerships don't last. Sure. I mean, even, I mean, you know, McCartney and Lennon, I mean, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it, it's not, you know, my last business partner and I, I mean, we, it, you know, just it get to a point in your business where it's like, they want to go one direction, you want to go the other, you got to make a decision. Does, does one of you yield because you want to stay? Is the other one, you know, fight for it? And like, we, you know, same thing with us. We're just like, he wants to go one way. I want to go another. It's like, let's you know, shake hands and figure something out. And not all of them dissolve that way. Uh -huh. um, I have one that didn't. Um, but I think that, you know, Tara and I are in a different situation because we're personally partners and professionally. Right. And it's right. a choice we made. But, um, you know, there may come a time where, you know, for the banner years, we decide one of us is focused on this and somebody's focused on something else. I don't know. Um, but, you know, you don't have to have an exit strategy. But I think you got to just accept that, you know, that, that, yeah, or the, the partnership's going to change. Yeah, it's going to change. Way. Yeah. yeah. So, so speaking of um, going a different direction, and you guys have made a decision uh, as a partnership to to do something new, and this is kind of the we talked uh, when we recapped the um, the Circles Conference a few weeks mm -hmm. ago. This was uh, the highlight of mine. Uh, I know the highlight of Docs. The highlight of several of the people that I've talked to of their of their conference was this new venture you guys are jumping into. Mm -hmm. And I'd like for you guys to kind of intro it a little bit. I don't, you know, I'm not asking for the full, um, <laughs> you know, 45 minute presentation on it. Although it was great, um, but. Uh, and if you went to Circles, I think that they just today emailed out uh, all of those videos. So if you want to watch it um, and you went to Circles, you can go back and watch it. But if you can give us a couple of minutes to let us know what this new project is that you guys are working on, um, and then we'll dialogue about that for a few minutes. Yeah, so we're working on uh, this thing called The Shores. We did a keynote at Circles. I, I think those are publicly available, but I think we're, so. we're going to put them out on our socials by the time this you know is out. The, you know, they'll okay, be on there. Good. But, um, yeah, so the conference talk is just a way to introduce it. So, uh, you know, the gist of it is that we've, Tara and I both have personally have mental health issues, nothing, nothing clinical or anything like that or, or serious, but both of us have, 
uh, clinical diagnosed depression. Both of us have clinically diagnosed anxiety. I have clinically diagnosed panic disorder. Yours is somewhat diagnosed. Um, and I, I used to have social anxiety and then we both just had some other stuff. And, and, you know, so, you know, we fortunately both of us never had substance abuse issues or anything like that. But so we, we just, you know, as we built community over the years, and this is year 22 for me in the creative business, you've been in it, you know, for about 12, 13 now. And as we meet people, we started, we noticed this, this kind of me too conversation as you got to know people. Yeah. Um, about the struggle and that was aware, but it's kind of talked about in the art world more. And it always has been, it goes, you know, it's oldest history, you know, that starving artists and, you know, Vincent van Gogh or Mozart or whatever, but it, it, we're not talking about that. I mean, that is, that is, you know, kind of what the people call crazy. There's not more like the struggle and just the world is different now. We had these really brutally honest conversations with people at conferences or meetups or just getting to know people. And what we found is that there, that because creatives tend to be isolated uh, and, and, and in line with what we just talked about, a lot of creatives yeah. don't have a partner and they don't have community. They, they work on their own for sometimes not by choice. They've been laid off or they live in an area or their spouse moves somewhere where they can't get a job as creative. So they decide to go for right. finance and work with them a million reasons. And what they find is that they, they, they don't realize that like these kind of what we would call kind of normal mental health issues is mm-hmm. not crazy, which is like anxiety, depression, social anxiety, panic disorder, eating disorders even. Um, that aren't physically damaging you too bad. Uh, they kind of think that they're the only person that has them or that they're not that bad. Um, and then they kind of feel very isolated in them and then they can sink really fast. And we, we've unfortunately had some people in our line of work who've gone as far as commit suicide by people that we know. Um, we've had people that have had to be, you know, put in serious loss of businesses, loss of reputation, loss of marriages. And just over time, it stacked to where Tara and I were like, wow, you know, they're really, you know, it'd be, you know, it's interesting to see what other people are working on talking about this. And then, we figured out that no one was talking about it. Mm, yeah. It was just kind of these just back alley conversations and stuff. And so we were like, okay, well, let's talk about it with people. And then no one talked about it. And it got to the point where we said, okay, well, we're just going to have to be the ones to kind of be vulnerable about this because people are, are literally dying and suffering. Yeah. So it started with this idea of just kind of being vulnerable in social posts. Tara wrote some blog posts. It got a lot of traction on a personal blog. And it just grew from there until finally we just said, let's do something that's actually active. So step one was just establishing awareness. It's very scientific, which is the talk you saw, Andrew. Yeah. We did a lot of research, you know, a lot of psychology and human behavior and stuff like that to really understand, is this actually a problem? And it is. It's an epidemic. There's some research being done on it by people much smarter than us. Um, we're connecting with some of those people to work. And the outcome is we're trying to create uh, three things, which is awareness to let people know you're not alone, create a Me Too conversation. Step two is to empower people to have those conversations to get better, whatever that looks like for them, whether to, to tell them to just talk to the family so they can get support, talk to the business partner, mm-hmm. maybe talk to your clients, your boss. You know, depression is no different than a migraine. You might have to take a day off work. That's not lazy. You just understand how you can do that for success. And the third step is creating um, stories of people who um, are able to live with this and cope with it and how they're doing it and learn from those people. Because most of the stuff there is a cure. Yes, yeah. you can take medication. Yes, you can get therapy and you can manage it. But management is very different than a cure. Yeah. Um, there's no surgery for this um, or anything like that. They can make it go away. So our goal long-term is to create a conversation with people that they're, what they do for a living, their creative work, is tied to who they are as a person and that impacts them very significantly in their mental health. So you get a double whammy, this thing we call compound judgment. People judge your work, therefore you feel like they're judging you and you sink down more into your problem and it just creates a cycle. We can't change that for you. That's just the nature of these. What we can do is let you have community with people and hear stories of people that also suffer from that and how they're dealing with it. 
So our short-term goal is awareness, building a community to just let people know and let, get people together to help them find community and realize they're not alone. That's been very successful. Share this talk. We're going to be going all over the country, the world next year, sharing yeah. this talk. We need help finding people who want us to come talk about it. Yeah. Um, and um, and then we're going to put together, we got a Kickstarter. We're going to roll hopefully in January, February, or maybe a Kickstarter. We're trying to figure out how we're going to do this or a sponsor or a partner. We're going to try to collect some of these stories, video format, print format, but the print format's really important to get something similar to like The Great Discontent or something like that in a hard format that we can yeah. put in front of people of these stories of, of perseverance. Um, we're not just looking at designers. We're also interested in like musicians, chefs, writers, because sure. you know, it's a really bad problem with chefs. It's a really bad problem with, with uh, just a lot of different creatives. And then we're hoping that Tara can, you know, say, you know, definitively, we know people like, we believe that like one person may get handed this magazine slash book and read one person's stories like, you know, Aaron or Meg or one of these other friends we're going to have that's going to be in it that we know of and go, that's me and see the reflection in that and make the decision to call a suicide prevention hotline or make the decision to get up off the floor and fight or keep their business. That's the goal. We, we, we keep one person from going too far. It's worth it. But so we need to find the people that are involved. We've got some people identified that need help finding more people to get involved. There'll probably be a website with more stories yeah. and just getting it produced. It won't be a revenue center for us. The banner years isn't going away. This can't be your full-time gig. Sure. So it's one of the reasons we got to figure out how to do it. Right. And it's, it's altruistic for us as well. Yeah. We just believe in it. So, so um, yeah. yeah, so that's, that's, that's the gist of it. Yeah. So if someone just heard that description and just felt like, Oh, well, that's me. Like yeah. I, I need to do something. What, what's a very practical, uh, like next step they can take? Um, well, I mean, you know, with us, it's just right now it's just social. We're, the website's being built out. We're building a resource center. I mean, if you've got an immediate need, obviously we've got a resource center that can help with that, but we can't do anything with that other than just like, please, you know, you know, start building community and talking to people and, and, you know, we're, we're recommending different stuff. But if a person just says, you know, Hey, that's me. I don't have like an immediate issue. It's wow. What do I do? I feel that pain. Um, the, I think the, the first step is, you know, realizing that you're not alone and starting to just maybe be a little bit vulnerable with it. And, you know, it's kind of like, people, you don't have to write, you know, bleeding heart Facebook posts. We're not asking you to, to do something you're not comfortable with. Right. But one thing, like, if, if you've been holding stuff back and not, especially like, we find over and over again people, their family doesn't know, like their spouse sure. doesn't know, they hide it. Right. That's the first step is just, we would encourage you to have that bravery, just have very simple conversations about it. If people want to listen to our talk, we unpack it a lot. Like we had, yeah. we had dozens of people actually already tell us that yeah. our talk, they were waiting on a video so that they can play it for their spouse so they can understand what they go through. So. Yeah. We're not trying to, you know, tell people to go watch our talk, but you know, if that helps, great. And then we'll, we'll see what resources we can produce. We don't, we don't know because we're not psychologists. So we're going to have to work with those people to produce more definitive resources. Sure. But in the short term, it's just having conversations in community. And I mean, you can connect with us on social. We can try and help as much as we can, yeah. but you know, we can't. We, we don't want anybody to get, you know, hurt. Or anything yeah. like the thing that. is, yeah. we don't have all the answers. We don't have all the answers. All we can sure. really do is communicate how we've dealt with it yeah, and then yeah. what we've learned through our research and through having these conversations with other people. Yep. Um, because we do have to be careful, right? Like we don't have yeah. all the answers. We're not therapists. Yeah, we're not and therapists. There, like we, like Brad said, there is no cure. We don't have like 
<laughs> we have, we're not like sitting in a lab making a cure for anxiety. Sure. So all we can really do is help them, but we are fine with having those conversations. We love having those conversations any way that we can personally help people. Um, as yeah. long as they know, like we don't have all the answers and everything, but Absolutely. we are fine with being vulnerable. It doesn't make us uncomfortable. Um, so, and we've already had a lot of people reach out to us in that way. Yeah. So that, I want to kind of focus in on that, that word for a second, and then we'll shift to our finals so that we can be aware of, I know you guys have to shower. You have, you stink of hot yoga um, <laughs> and alcohol, but, um, but that word vulnerability, uh, I, one of the things that I took away and I don't even know if it was like, if it was explicitly stated or it was just implicitly stated, the idea of removing the shame mm-hmm. of, uh, of that, that you would feel because you feel like you're the only one or you feel like you should be like for me, cause I suffer from some of these things too, you know, diagnosed, uh, anxiety and depression. I don't know that I've ever said that on the show, but that's reality. And, um, I'm going to be honest. I don't know that I knew that. And, Oh, Luke yeah. knew. <laughs> that's really all that matters. Um, no, but just the idea of removing, uh, when, when you, when you suffer from that stuff, you feel like, um, you should be smart enough to like overcome it. Yeah. And so you feel like you shouldn't talk about it. Um, especially if you, if you're, if you take medication for it or anything like that. So the idea of removing the shame and being vulnerable, what, how long was the process from when you realized that this is something that was becoming more of an issue, not just in your lives, but in the people's lives that are around you. And then ultimately in the in creative industries as at, at large, what was the process from realizing that was the case to looking for people who had answers and realizing nobody was talking about it to deciding we're going to just be the ones to, to drop the veil and be, cause you guys are incredibly open in that talk. You share some really challenging stuff and some really deep stuff about your own personal lives. What was that process from realizing to actually doing that? Um, it, I don't think it was long. Like, I mean, I, we both made a decision. I mean, we've both been in situations where people made us feel shame for these things. Oh yeah. Um, or just refuse to try to understand them. Um, and that makes it astronomically more difficult because that adds to the, you feeling like you're crazy or you should just get over it or the stigma around it. Um, but we both both made a decision pretty early on in us dealing with these mental health issues, like before we even knew each other, that we were going to be vulnerable with it. So neither of us have ever really held back in having conversations with people. Not that we're like, can have a conversation with people and turn it into like a depressive, you know, <laughs> like, what was me? I'm so sure. emo, but we just made a decision that we would be open and honest with people. Like, yep, we've got anxiety and depression and not hold back from that. And yes, that scares some people, especially if they don't understand it. Um, but we just made that decision really early on. And I think that in making that decision and then having these conversations with people where it just naturally kind of came up, it's not like we forced it in a conversation and then seeing their reaction um, and having that so many times over and over again just kind of made us realize like clearly like it was pretty obvious that no one was talking about it I don't even think we had to look that hard and then it just kind of came naturally to decide to do something about it yeah it grew I mean I had two specific trigger points so I I won't mention it because it's a sensitive topic but might even be a friend of the show had a co-worker 
who was a designer at Kill Herself um, two years ago, and that a lot of people in the industry knew about it, and, I, and this, no one knew that this woman had these issues. No one knew. And then a couple of my friends, I, I, I work some in the film industry, and a couple of my friends worked on the show <clears throat> with a guy who's a pretty famous screenwriter who won a couple of Emmys, and no one knew that he had depression and uh, hung himself um, the day before they were supposed to you know, um, start writing the next season. And no one on the team had been writing with this guy for seven years, and no one knew. And a couple of my friends were just writing these really incredulous posts. And I think for me, it was just like, I think this is way more of an epidemic than we realize that people hide this. We knew people hit it, but it seemed to be unusual for creatives. And I think it specifically created business owners. Yeah. Specifically, one thing, Andrew, talking about our vulnerability, this was this was a difficult decision we said, is that we, we, we know now we may lose clients. We may have lost clients in the past over this. Sure. And we will likely lose some in the future. Um, you got to be willing to do it. But, and I, I, we don't deserve an award for that. We're not trying to be like no. heroes or anything. Sure. So not everybody can do that. We get it. So being vulnerable with it is, is difficult. You may, and people are afraid to lose their job. They tell their boss they have this issue. They're afraid they're going to get laid off, pass over for promotion. Um, so at least we can let them know if they have to suffer in the shadows a, a bit longer. They're not alone and they can hang on to that, which is one of the reasons we want the show to kind of be this, have a quiet option as well. In, in yeah. the print or video format because we think that it's going to have to work that way for some people. Yeah. Sure. Um, so I'm going to take us into finals so we can be, you know, aware of you guys' time and stuff. Um, I'm going to shift it completely. You guys have worked with, I mean, you've talked about it. You work with any client that you guys uh, like. You've worked all the way to the top to, you know, little. Um, is there any brand you're mostly in lifestyle now is there any like brand or type of client that you haven't hit yet that you're like we would kill this we can't wait to get there oh there's two we really want to do a beer label i mean i <laughs> yeah we never have yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's crazy we like it. i i did i worked on a rebrand of a brewery um at an agency and i worked on the labels and everything but um yeah we really want to do a beer label yeah. And then we also really want to do even the, the problem with this is like, typically they don't have a ton of budget. So that's sure. the issue. But we also really want to do coffee. Yeah. Like we're, coffee, we're craft beer, craft coffee people. Cool. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I think those, and then we, we both, we're really into fitness. So there's like some fitness brands that we yeah. really love to, yeah. to work with. We like that space. So obviously sure. Adidas, Adidas or Peloton or something like that would be awesome. Oh my God, Peloton. Yeah. But we'll see. Yeah. Have, y'all, have y'all used one of those bikes yet? We, we have, have one. one. It's about 10 feet. And is it absolutely amazing? My is, wife wants one. It is the greatest, the thing, greatest thing you will ever purchase. <laughs> like, it's worth it. Yeah, we've had we've had ours for we got it but, um, March of last year, so we've had it almost two years. It's like a, it's like a, it's this community. It's really amazing, and everyone supports each other, and it's just, they so have you ride with like the same people too. Yeah, and they yeah. actually have a mental health subgroup too. They actually have people who ride to deal with their anxiety. They have a subgroup. It's it's yeah. really cool. It's, it's amazing. Really cool. Yeah. It's amazing. That's Man, all right. So my my question then is going to be about the name. Um, both names actually. So the banner years and uh, your branding associated with that, I think are great, but I have no idea what they mean or what they're, <laughs> what, what we're trying to communicate with it. Um, and then the shore, which maybe uh, is a little bit more to, I understand that a little bit more, but you guys explained it um, at, uh, at the conference. Can you just give us a quick rundown on, on what the, what's the deal with the naming conventions? You need to take them. 
Well, yeah, go ahead. Yes, the banner of the years is pretty simple. So it, it's the phrase, if you, it's an old English phrase, a banner of the year, which is just like, you know, it's and it's also used in sports, like a pennant year. It used to be called right. a banner, it's just like championship year or win. We, um, so we do a lot of partnership with our clients, especially with content strategies. We do a lot of embedded work. Um, so we, we do a lot of follow through. We, we don't do a lot of, um, my last agency, we were kind of like what we call like hired guns, kind of like snipers for a lot of fortune 100s. Right. We came and fix the problem and left. And that's the reason I kind of didn't want to stay with that model, um, is we actually stick with our clients a lot longer. We let ourselves get a little bit more attached. So we're really, um, into this, this idea of just kind of like leading through kind of this, this celebration and parade. You know, with lifestyle brands, there's just a lot of emotional attachment. So we, you know, just feel like creating banner years for our clients because when you start an emotionally attached business, um, similar to what we talked about with the shore, it can really drag you down if it's not successful. Most of the people we work with aren't built to acquire, whereas I was a lot in the Silicon Valley space before where everything is built to acquire. And we still do some of that, and that's okay. But um, we really like working with brands. It's like, this is what I want to do. This is what my kids are going to go to college on. And this is this is what yeah. we grow with. I think that's big. Yeah. And then the shore, um, we kind of explained it in yeah. the talk, but it's really about this <clears throat> um, because when you have these mental health issues, you feel like you're drowning and no one can save you, and you're out in the middle of the ocean by yourself. Um, and it's about getting to the shore, and it's about the people that are that have been through that and gotten to the shore, or the people that aren't dealing with mental health issues and are standing at the shore to kind of be a lighthouse and help those people that are in the water drowning um, make it back to the shore. And you're always yeah. going to get pulled back. The, you know, the shore goes in and out. You're always going to get pulled back. There's going to be times where things get heavy and things feel dark, and then there's going to be good times. And it's about that um, that push and pull, you know, that and that helping people, whether you have to pick them up and drag them out of the water or whether you just have to guide them, just be a guiding light at the lighthouse. And so that's really where a lot of that came from. That's great. That's great. Um, wow. Uh, I have a totally off topic question. It's just so <laughs> far removed. From He's really good with transitions. Too. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm the master so. of them. <laughs> um, y'all, you said that you're in Atlanta, right? Uh-huh. You're only a couple hours from me. Um, I, so I, how about them Falcons? Is that I, your uh, question? <sighs> no, here we go. Oh, this is going to Get know, ready man. for this weirdness. I'm terribly unromantic. I, that's something you should know about me, and I and I have a wife. <laughs> is I, it something I, they need to know about you? Like, just let's just be honest. Do they need to know this? About <laughs> yeah, anyone needs I think to know so. that. Sure. I need to know. So you're if not I, taking us out to dinner after this? No, no, no. <laughs> but if I take my wife to Atlanta uh-huh. and I'm gonna like treat her like we're gonna go somewhere, it's gonna be special. Where's the spot to go? We are not the people. Yeah, we so we're what? like we're tattooed degenerates. So we like I know like people write social posts. I will take people to like these things where it's like in an alley where you gotta crawl through a dumpster to get into it that's the kind of place she would not like that yeah <laughs> okay because we're gonna tell you to go to like the grungiest part of town yeah no seriously favorite. though like i think our favorite like if you want something that's like really romantic i mean like don't you know the cheesy tourist trap stuff like the sundial and all that don't do that sure. i mean i i think that like my favorite restaurant in atlanta is this place called canoe which is actually in the mm-hmm. suburbs okay. um it's on the Chattahoochee River. It's beautiful. And it's what you know, in Atlanta, it's the Hollywood now. You know, we pass Hollywood. So there's celebrities everywhere. It's all the time. And you can kind of judge the high end restaurants by the celebrities that you see. And when we eat a canoe, you see people like um, Michael Douglas, like Anthony Bourdain, the, these people that actually have taste. Um, instead of, you know, I, I've seen, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal, so you, you guys actually kind of know what's going on a little bit more than like seeing like, you know, party animal types, but it's just beautiful, simple restaurant. It's been open, I think like 30 years, stays oh, wow. off the radar. The owner's always there. It's super cool. And it's just, it's really beautiful. It's on the river. 
and um, the, the people get married there. The the back of it's so beautiful, and I just it's consistent, and it is not insane. Right. Like a lot of the stuff, like Buckhead is our rich area where all the startup uh-huh. guys and stuff are. That's such just overpriced. It's it's my favorite restaurant in the city. It has been for a decade, and I think it's just really elegant in the right ways. And it's it's southern food, and they're still very authentic. And it's not four hundred dollars like a lot of places here for a couple to eat. It's it's a quarter of that. You can get out of there for hundred nice. bucks, and I think it's perfect. Yeah. Sweet. That's, that's exactly Perfect. what Patrick needs. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, and now the world knows that Patrick's not romantic, yeah. and I think everyone needed to know that. That was the mo- uh, more important thing to get. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was the more yeah, important. Absolutely. Can you tell everybody where they can find uh, what you guys are doing? First of all, thank you for what you guys are doing. Yeah. Um, but can you tell everybody where they can can uh, support this, can get on board with it, sure. especially if they're you know suffering from some of these things, um, and then where they can find you as the banner years? Sure. So the Shores um, Instagram and Twitter handle are is just at the Shore dot like D O T Co. Um, the website is the Shore dot Co. Um, the website is the Shore dot Co. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then they can email email us at hello at the Banner Years dot Co. Yeah. Um, and then the Banner Years social media is. The Banner Years. Years. Yeah. And then um, I'm at Tar Victoria L on Instagram, and Brad is just. Brad I'm Brad Weaver on Instagram, S Brad Weaver on Twitter. But yeah, the banner years are just the banner years dot co. Um, yeah. Some jerks on the domain. Yeah. Um, oh, and then we have he our. Will, he won't answer us. We've been trying to buy yeah. it for like two years. Um, <laughs> and then start and build is just. Yeah. Added. And then we have start and build uh, as well. Our workshop series that we do on how to start and build a profitable design business. We'll be teaching that all over the country and the world next year. And that's getting built out right now. So start and build.com. So those are the big things, but the shore specifically, yeah. we're, most of our activities on Instagram and on the website, yeah. we're not really doing a lot on Twitter or Facebook right now. We will. There is a Facebook page, but yeah, yeah we're not doing very much on it. It's so. just the shore D O T co on Instagram and the shore dot co on the web. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if you could uh, do us a favor before we head out of here, can you help us pick our tokens for next week? Yes. Sure. Rock and roll. Well, that's it for the interview portion of this episode. Up next, we're going to draw some tokens. The tokens portion every week is when we get to find out exactly the categories that we are going to have, and then we have to pick our topics based on those categories. These are the tokens. They're very real. They're very much a thing. <laughs> so I'm going to uh, set them down in front of me. I'm going to shuffle them up. I can't see what they are. You can't see what they are, but uh, one of you give me a number between one and three, and you'll be picking four, Patrick. Two. Nope, oh, not you. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't was specific just, enough. So. Was supposed to be me? <laughs> Two. Two. <laughs> Patrick, uh, she picked art and design for nice. you, my friend. Nice, I'll take nice, it. I'll nice. take it. Yeah. And then uh, go ahead and pick a number, either one or two, and you'll pick for me. One. I have toys and games. That means, Luke, you've Mix got TV it. and film. Mix Congratulations. Um, thank you guys, seriously, so much for being on the show. Yeah. You guys are incredible. You're super fun. I uh, can't wait to hang out again in person. Yeah. You guys are super cool. It's always good to meet another ginger, too. Hey. Um, which is we do always souls. fantastic. We, yeah, we do. Um, you can find all of the show notes and links what we're talking about on mf1podcast.com. If you are watching this on YouTube, you can just check out all the links just below us. Make sure you like and subscribe and share this video, uh, including there will be a, we will have a link to uh, the talk that they did at yep. Circles. Um, and uh, we'll make sure that that gets up there as well because, uh, seriously, if you are in the creative field um, in any way, shape, or form, this is a talk you cannot miss. This is a topic you cannot overlook. It's 
so important. Um, and then you can find us on social media. Just search MF1 Podcast on all the different platforms. Join the conversation on Slack. Go to mf1podcast.com slash Slack uh, to be a part of our community. Uh, of over 250 creatives uh, doing life together in, in, you know, all throughout the day and night. Uh, we get we get crazy in there. It's a lot of fun. Um, join that community in there and then uh, drop us a line on social media as well. Uh, if you want to support the show on Patreon, go to patreon.com slash one podcast for five bucks. You get to be uh, part of our blooper level, which means you get um, all sorts of stuff that doesn't make the cut. Um, <laughs> And I, I want to say it's worth it, but at the same time, it's like, I, I don't know. It's fun. I'll just say it that way. It's a good time. Um, and, uh, and and then just support the show by dropping, uh, by, by leaving a rating and review the show on iTunes. That helps us out a ton. doesn't cost you any money. It takes very little time. And, uh, it, and it shows us that you're friends with us. And we'll read it on the <laughs> air, right, Patrick? Probably. <laughs> that's, that's in... Uh, yeah. You're, you're, uh, yeah, assuming I can read, sure. That's true. Yeah, we'll have uh, we'll have uh, Brad and Tara come on and read it because they are uh, way smarter than we are, obviously. Um, but we're gonna go ahead and get out of this episode for now. I'm Andrew. I'm Patrick. I'm Luke. I'm Brad. I'm Tara Victoria. Peace out. Bye. Hold on to your butt. I'm Pickle Rick. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>